0: You don't have to stop going to church. You don't have to stop serving in the context of the ecclesia to be a sheep that has wandered off. You could be here every Sunday, every Wednesday. You could sing. You can preach and teach. But you can wander off in your affections for God and your love for God and your devotion to God. You can be a sheep that has wandered off into other pastures. And we give God the praise. In fact, it is great to see everybody back. It is good to see people in the sanctuary. Uh, we give God praise for how he does all things well. Know God like our God. And we just magnify his holy name and give him the glory that he so richly deserved. Before we dive into the text this morning, a couple of things I just want to remind everybody. Please don't forget on Tuesday nights, on Tuesday, we'll transition from Wednesday to Tuesday. And we're so thankful for the ability to be able to do that. And so prayer is going to begin at six and we will have our Bible study at seven. And so we thank God for that. And don't forget immediately following this service, we're going to have our Bible fellowships at 9.30. We're going to do our Zoom classes. So you're more than welcome to participate with those. And then finally, don't forget, today is Christmas in September. So kids who are present, we have a gift for you. We want to make sure we give you a gift uh, and thank you so much for being a part of our worship service. And we just thank God for that, uh, the opportunity to be able just to be a blessing. And we know our God is so worthy to be praised for all that he has done. We're going to be a John this morning, John chapter 10. I know you brought your Bibles and watching this via live stream. We're going to be in John chapter 10. And as you're turning to John chapter 10, we are continuing our series. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus out of the gospel of John? And so we're going to be in John chapter 10. And I, I like to remind everybody as always, please, 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 we want you to text. We want you to tweet. We want you to post something uh, from the service. Let people know, hey, I was at Impact Church, other woodlands worshiping 5401 Shadow Man Place. Um, and let them know that you were a part of our worship service. But we're going to be in John chapter 10 as we are going through the ego I means, the ego I means. Uh, Jesus says, who am I? Who am I? He lets us know unequivocally who he is through the ego I imes. And so that's our text uh, for today. We're gonna be in John chapter 10, beginning at verse 11 through 18. That's the pericope we were examining for today. Um, And I'm gonna ask you, would you please be so gracious and stand with me uh, out of reverence in reading the infallible, the inerrant, the authoritative Word of God. Uh, We're gonna read it today out of reverence. We're gonna read a few verses. And I want you just to track with me uh, because this is a great text and uh, I'm convinced that it will bless you. It will bless you uh, as it has blessed me just going through and for preparation. John chapter 10 beginning at verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand who is not a shepherd and does not know. I'm sorry. Let me read that again. The hired hand who is not a shepherd and does not own sheep, sees the wolf coming and abandons the sheep and runs away. So the wolf attacks the sheep and scatters them. Because he is a hired hand and is not concerned about the sheep, he runs away. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not come from this sheepfold. I must bring them to, And they will listen to my voice. So that there will be one flock and one shepherd. This is why the Father loves me. Because I lay down my life so that I may take it back again. No one takes it away from me. But I lay it down on my own free will. I have the authority to lay it down. And I have the authority to take it back again. This commandment I receive from my father you may be seated father God we love you and we thank you for this day we thank you for your truth we thank you for the word you have given us Lord we thank you that you are our Shepherd so father we ask right now as we look into your word that you speak to our hearts that you remove any barriers anything that would try to hinder us from hearing clearly from you because Lord we seek to be transformed we want a metamorphosis to take place in our lives and Lord God, for whatever you do, we will be certain to give you the praise, certain to give you the honor, certain to give you all the glory that you so richly deserve. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be accepted in thy sight, O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. John chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus come out and unequivocally tells us that he is the good shepherd. In order to appreciate this text, You really have to see it in its context. John has been demonstrating who Jesus Christ is. And one of the things our world always tries to do is present Jesus Christ, but they never present him biblically. Jesus began in this series we walked through and he told us he is first the bread of life. He provides for us physical nourishment, but also spiritual nourishment. But then he tells us also not only that he is the bread of life, He said he is the light of the world. He illuminates the world with his light, but also he illuminates us with his spiritual light. He illuminates us and reveals truth to us by being the light so that we can see him for who he is. Last week, we saw that he was the door. Jesus is the one that gives us access to the father. And once we gain access to the father, then he secures us. He closed the door so that no one can get to us. Today, he comes in and he tells us he is the good shepherd. Jesus affirms here that he is the good shepherd. He's a shepherd, but he's also a good shepherd. And I really like this. When Jesus distinguished himself as the good shepherd, he sets up this distinction from the other shepherds. There are shepherds, but all of them are not good. Some are bad shepherds. And so he says, I am a good shepherd. He wants us to understand that a lot of the Jewish leaders, those people who have been given the responsibility of shepherding the flock of people, they are not good shepherds, but they are bad. They have a different motive from the motive of Jesus Christ. I like what mouse in his Greek dictionary says when he talked about Jesus using the term Coloss here for the shepherd. He said it ex- has to do with possessing a moral excellence. Virtuous. He is a worthy and upright shepherd. Different from the higher shepherd. And when you see this imagery, it's easy to gloss over it and not appreciate it for all that it's worth. But those in Jesus context understood the shepherding metaphor very well. And the reason why is because, first of all, in the Old Testament, God says he was the shepherd. He had shepherded the nation of Israel. And so under God, he had given the king he given the prophet, he had given the priest, he had given the elders, and even parents, and they too were considered to be shepherds in the context of the Israelite culture. So the shepherding metaphor applied not just to shepherds who shepherded sheep, but it applied to leaders. And as a result of those leaders being shepherds, there were certain expectations that came along with that. Those leaders were responsible for feeding the sheep of God, the people of God, the very word of God. They had that duty. They had a responsibility as kings, as prophets, as priests, as leaders. They were called upon to direct the people in the word and ways of God. That's the responsibility of the shepherding. And so what does Jesus say here in John 10? taking from the Old Testament, coming even into the New Testament. He says, I'm the good shepherd, and he makes a distinction. I want you to see he compares himself to the hireling. Jesus, as a good shepherd, he is selfless. He's going to give of himself. But the hired shepherd is selfish. He is seeking what he can get for himself. Jesus, as the Colossus good shepherd, he protect the sheep. But the hired shepherd, whenever there is threat, he will leave the sheep. Jesus, as a good shepherd, is willing to lay down his life. And we're going to say more about that in a few moments. The hired shepherd, he is willing to flee for his life when there is any threat. Jesus says, these are my sheep. He says, I own them. The hired one used them because he does not own the sheep. But the one I like, number five, is really important. Jesus, as a good shepherd, he cares for the sheep. Anybody glad that we have a shepherd that cares for us? Oh, yeah, he cares for the sheep. But the hired one, he will allow the sheep to be killed. He may even kill them for himself. He does not have the same concern for the sheep like the good shepherd. And Jesus says there is a distinction between the good shepherd who I am and the higher shepherd. Morris suggests that the higher shepherd is not deeply concerned for the sheep. He says his passions are not aroused. He says the interests of the sheep are not a lively concern. I, I like how he says he says in order to be a good shepherd, you have to be passionate about the sheep. There has to be a personal concern for the sheep. There has to be a true love for the sheep. He said, and the hired shepherd does not possess that deep and abiding love and affection, that level of intimacy for the sheep, where you know them by name, where they recognize your voice, where you are their door, where you are their light, where you are their bread. He says, the good shepherd understands all of this. This one of you wondering, say, who is Jesus Christ? Let me tell you something. He is a good shepherd. He's a good shepherd. And he is a shepherd who truly cares about you. Yes, he does. One of the things I love is how the Old Testament explains and really to me gives tangible analogies of what we really read in the New Testament. If you're not an Old Testament reader, let me tell you something. You are missing out on so much of what the New Testament is really trying to extrapolate. The OT gives us countless examples of really what is taught in the new. And so to really appreciate it, you have to go to the OT to really appreciate what's going on in the new Testament. Ezekiel 34 is such a text when you're talking about shepherding and sheep. I want you to see you. Stay with me. Stay. Turn with me to Ezekiel 34. Because it is in Ezekiel 34, you really get a really good understanding of what Jesus is teaching here about these sheep and shepherd. One may say, how is that happening? Ezekiel is writing during the exilic period. Ezekiel is talking about going into exile, what has happened. And how is it that in Ezekiel 34, we really get a good understanding of Jesus In a New Testament context, as he's talking about shepherding and the sheep. The reason why you do that is because in Ezekiel 34, he's going to outline how God is upset with the shepherds. God is angry with the shepherds of the day. Who are the shepherds, the kings, the priests, the prophets, the leaders? who have been given the responsibility to shepherd his flock, Israel, and they are derelict on their duties. You got to see this now. Stay with me. Stay with me. See, you have and I have to understand the providence of God and his sovereignty in our lives. If someone is serving as the king, as the prophet, as the priest, as a leader, and I take it and even apply it to a family as a parent, If you are serving in a shepherding role, God has providentially placed you there. He has given you the authority to serve in that capacity. And there are certain expectations that he has for you while you serve in that office. You with me? Stay with me now, Impact. Stay with me. That's what's happening here in Ezekiel 34. In Ezekiel 34, God has placed leaders over his people. God has given them responsibilities and he's expecting them to execute their leadership in such a way that is pleasing unto him. And so what does he say here in 34 where the Lord came to me, son of man prophesy against the shepherds of Israel prophesy and say to him in verse two. Stay with me. Say to the shepherds. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who have been feeding themselves. Should not shepherds feed the flock? Let me tell you something. The number one responsibility of the shepherd was to feed the flock. Let me see if I can bring it down and make it more pointed and more appropriate for our New Testament context. Pastors are considered shepherds of the flock of God, the people of God. The number one priority of the pastor of the church is to feed the people, the sheep, the word of God. Why? Because it is the word of God that's going to nourish the sheep, strengthen the sheep, heal the sheep, bind up the sheep, make certain that the sheep are vibrant and able to be sustained as they are on the journey called life and sanctification. Here it is. Look, 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 look. Stay with me. I'm not finishing this text. Stay with me in this text. It's beautiful. You got to see this. Stay with me. He says, shouldn't they feed the sheep? Isn't that their primary responsibility? That's why I put them there. He says, but what are they doing? You eat the fat. You clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the choice animals, but you do not feed the sheep. Again, he comes down here. He repeats it emphasis, and he's saying that there is no feeding of my sheep. He's going to give five things here, and I want you to see them. That's going on. This is the condemnation of the shepherds. Five things I want you to see. Real quick. He says, you have not strengthened the weak, healed the sick, Bandage the injured, you have not brought back the strays, he said, and you don't seek the lost. Boy, it sounds like we we're reading something out of the New Testament, though. See, see, you gotta go to the old to really appreciate the new. He, here it is, right here. He gives the responsibility of the shepherds in a condemning context, but nevertheless, we see what the bad shepherd does, and therefore we know what a good shepherd will do. He begins here, he says, the first thing, and I believe he gave them in, orders of, in order of importance. He says, you don't strengthen the weak and heal the sick. As you look at this here, the verbs he used for strengthening and weak, he used them in the PAO. The, the pill is an intensive sometimes actions and I, not all the time, but sometimes here. And he's saying you're not intentionally with a level of passion and zeal intensity, strengthening those who are weak. What do you mean weak? He used the analogy in the imagery of the sheep being fatigued and tired from being on a long journey. He says, when you have sheep and you are walking them around and trying to find the still waters. Somebody knows Psalms 23. You, you see the imagery. Stay with me. It, it has to be in the back of your mind when you read this text. When you are trying to lead them to the green pastures. He said, because you are on a journey and you're taking them on the, rugged ter- the, the, the rocky and rough terrain where they may stumble and fall. He says sometimes you might have to herd the sheep along to keep them from being eaten by the bear and the lion. He said, and because of them being on a journey, sometimes the sheep get weak. Any weak sheep in here this morning? Somebody might have walked in here this morning. You're looking healthy, watching us via live stream, but you feel weak. Yeah. The shepherd's responsibility is to give you the word of God, the authoritative, and in, 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 inerrant, infallible word of God that will strengthen your soul, that will edify you, that will equip you and empower you. When you are weak, it strengthens you. Do you hear me? He says, shepherds, your responsibility is to strengthen the weak. He said, these are my sheep. He said, they, you, you can't strengthen them on anything but the bread of life, the word of God. See this? Man, I, I, it's so important as the shepherd that the sheep get the word of God. And in so many contexts, we want to give the sheep everything but the pure, unadulterated word of God. What does Timothy say? He said, "Proper for correction, rebuke, instructions, and in righteousness. It is thy word that's gonna strengthen weak sheep." And we want to give everything but the word of God because we know that most sheep don't want to eat the word of God. Sheep want to eat everything but the word, but it won't strengthen you. And so it is the shepherd's responsibility to tell the sheep, I know what is best. I know what God has given me to give to you to provide for you. And so I'm giving you what will strengthen you and what will also heal you when you are sick. Here it is. He says, these are my sheep and shepherds. You got to strengthen them. He said, but also they're going to get sick. They might get pink eye, something with their hooves. There are things that get caught up in their wool. He said, and it is your responsibility to make certain that you give them the medicine. You give them the proper care, oils, so that they can be healed when they are sick do, do you, anybody hear me this morning anybody ever been in a sick condition anybody been weak and you needed something to strengthen you and you go into the word of God and you begin to meditate upon God's word you sit in his presence and begin to pray and you start feeling yourself strengthened in your inner man though your outer man may be perishing the word of God has a way of strengthening you Oh, I love it. Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Stay with me. Stay with me. Stay with me. Look, 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 look. He says, but also there come times when someone has broken a leg, sustained a wound from a bite. And if you are on this journey called sanctification, let me tell you something. The world is going to bite you, poke you. The world will bring various things That will impact your spirit as well as the physical body. And it is the shepherd's responsibility to bandage the injured. How do you bandage this shepherd? It's going to have to be with the word of God and it's going to have to be with your presence and the care that you provide because you are intimately caring and concerned about the sheep. Jesus said, I'm not like the hiring. He's hired shepherd. He said, I'm a good shepherd. He said, I strengthen, I heal. He said, I bandage those who are injured. Isaiah picks up on that same thing. He said, I came to set the captives free. Bind up the brokenhearted.' He said, that's who I am. He said, he, he said sometimes sheep have a tendency To wander off. Anybody ever wandered away from the Lord? And you know you you wanted to go in another passage. It looked like it's greener over there. I I think it's better there. And you have wandered off. But the shepherd comes. With his rod and with his staff. and, and, And the shepherd brings the sheep back. Who have strayed off. That's why he says, I have to leave the 99 to go after the one. Anybody ever been that one that God had to come back and rescue you and bring you back into the sheepfold? (laughs) See, let me let me explain it to you this way. You don't have to stop going to church. You don't have to stop serving in the context of the ecclesia to be a sheep that has wandered off. You could be here every Sunday, every Wednesday, you could sing, you can preach and teach, but you can wander off in your affections for God and your love for God and your devotion to God. You can be a sheep that has wandered off into other pastures. Oh man, it's beautiful. And the shepherd's responsibility is To bring you back to the fold when you stray away from the master. He says, Shepherds, look, look, this is a tremendous responsibility, and you can't miss it. But God had given the authority them to serve in this office so he expected them to carry it out, to have a care and concern for his people. And he said, you got to seek the laws. He said, there are some don't know that they need to be in the fold. He said, go get them. Go let them know that they need to be a part of this sheepfold. That's evangelism. He said, this is what I expect of my sheep. Jesus picks upon this imagery in the New Testament context and he says I am the good shepherd. Why does Jesus say I'm the good shepherd? What is Jesus really saying? He said I am the good shepherd. He said because when you are weak he said I am here to strengthen you. He said I minister to your needs. He said when you find yourself sick he said I come and heal all of your disease he said, when you're inj- injured, he said, I bandage up your wounds, pour the oil of gladness, the oil of joy into your wounds. He said, I heal it. He said, when you're strayed off, he said, I bring you back because I am omniscient. I am transcendent. He said, I'm eminently involved in your situation so I can bring you back. He said, I'm constantly seeking that which is lost that they may be found. He said, I'm a good shepherd. Anybody in here know that Jesus is a good shepherd? I believe a lot of us in here today know that he is a good shepherd because we remember when we were lost. We remember when we strayed. We remember when we were injured. We remember when we were sick. We remember when we were weak. And he brought us, healed us, touched us, restored us, renewed us. He is a good shepherd. Who is Jesus? He's telling us. He said, I'm a good shepherd. He said, I'm not like these other shepherds. How are the other shepherds? Look further in 4B. He says, they force and there is a level of domination of the sheep. It's so interesting, the terminology he used for them about the harshness. He talks about harshness. Two words, force and harshness, he used in 34B. He said, this is how these shepherds are treating my sheep. He says they're forcing them using their strength and it is the opposite of what he uses in earlier 4b to talk about what you do when they're weak. Then he comes down. He says there's a level of just harshness toward the sheep. They're harsh toward the sheep and he borrows from the same terminology that is used there Radha, in Exodus 113. It's the same type of treatment that the nation of Egypt used against the nation of Israel when they were in servitude. They were treating the people harsh. They were under the tyranny and the boot of slavery and oppression. And he said, instead of the shepherds loving the sheep, they're treating them harsh, forcing them. He said, there is a level of domination. Domination. So interesting how he used this term because in Genesis 1, 20 through 28, when he says he created them in his image and likeness Adam and Eve that he is, he tells them to dominate the earth. That's in the positive. But the shepherds take that same domination and use it in the negative and they are oppressive. They are brutalizing the sheep. And Jesus comes and says, he says, I'm not forcing. I'm not harsh and I'm not dominating you for my own purposes. He said, I am a good shepherd who possesses virtue, more excellence. He said, and I want to pour all of that into your life to help you be healed and whole. Jesus says I'm different from the other shepherds so much. So he says I'm different from he says. Part two in here, I lay down my life. Back in John, I want you to see this in John. John chapter 10, it's right there in verse 11. Watch this. He says he is the good shepherd, and and I, I like how he's very definite when he says it. As if there is no other like him, and he's being truthful when he says that, because there's nobody can be as good like Jesus can. But not only did he say, he says, I'm the good shepherd here, he's gonna go on and say it again. Notice one thing, I want you to see this because it's important. I want to draw something out of this text, and I don't want you to miss this. He says in verse 11, I am the good shepherd, and I lay down my life. You just see that, you mean okay, he's gonna be willing to die. If you go down to verse 15, he says it again. He says, I laid down my life. In verse 11, it is in the third person, right? In verse 15, he goes to the first person. Roche, what difference does it make? Jesus is letting us know that he is willingly laying down his life. Nobody does this. He makes a conscious decision to submit himself the point of death to die for the sheep. Jesus is saying to us that he has the authority from his father to die for us and he is saying not only that I'm going to die and when I die he said it's not final. He says for me when I die that is victory. He says so I'm laying down my life who per plus the genitive there on behalf of instead of the sheep dying. Roche, why is that so important? Jesus is teaching here as a good shepherd that he is making an exchange. See, this is one of those passages that teach that Jesus Christ is our substitute. And in verse 11, he uses who per the Greek preposition with a genitive to say that he lays down his life instead of the sheep having to lay down their life. Roche, I'm still not there. Let me see if I can say it this way. You and I were born in sin, Psalm 51, shaping an iniquity. Because we were born in sin, we deserve to die. But Jesus Christ being the good shepherd, Jesus Christ willing to lay down his life When he goes to Calvary cross, he dies on the cross for us so that we don't have to go to the cross. We don't have to die. Instead, we get eternal life without having to go to Calvary because Jesus went on our behalf, one in the place of another. Do you see that? Oh, man, it is beautiful, man. This is good stuff. Why? Because we have someone who loves us so much, who is such a good shepherd that he says, I will lay down my life. Nobody has to take it. They don't have to force me. I'm going to willingly lay my life down so that you can have eternal life. If you don't get passionate about that, man, what will make you excited? Listen 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 to me. Listen to me. You realize That the day we were born, just at coming out, we deserve death. But Jesus Christ makes a great exchange. When he used the term who per, it's the idea of one in the place of another. He's our substitute. He makes exchange. He said, I'll give you what you deserve. I'm going to give you mercy. And I'm going to die in your place. Do, y'all, do, you, do, you, do you grasp the magnitude of that? Do you grasp the mag- magnitude of he is the one who truly strengthens you in your times of need? He heals your disease, bandages you when you're injured. He said, that is who I am somebody saying, who is Jesus let me tell you something if you ever been in those conditions you really grasp him as a good shepherd But, but if you've never been weak and sick and injured you can't appreciate it but those of us that have been there you read this text and you say oh God thank you for being the good shepherd Fact number one is this. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. You got to see it. That's a true fact. And it's a truth. I like the imagery there because the imagery goes back to the Old Testament. Remember when you would take your lamb. and You would go for the day of atonement and, and you would offer their sacrifice. You see, the lamb would not be excited about going to put his life down the lamb would be reluctant and they would have to bind the lamb on the altar to kill the lamb because he didn't want to get on there. Jesus Christ, my Bible tells me he was humble, silent before those who were ready to heal him. And he willingly crawls on the altar of Calvary and he offers his life as a substitute in the place of vows. You see, the world can't appreciate that because they haven't tasted to see that our shepherd is good. But for those of us who taste to see that he is good, for those of us who have been redeemed by his precious blood, we praise him, we give him glory for his awesome and great redemption. Jesus Christ goes and he offers himself in exchange for us because he is the good shepherd. You say, "Roshé, who is Jesus? He's your good shepherd who's here to heal you, restore you, renew you, to come after you and to ensure you have eternal life. That's who he is. And it's imperative that we never miss Jesus Christ as the good shepherd. Our impact fact for today is this. I want you to see it. Jesus Christ shepherds the Christian through life by strengthening, healing, bandaging and seeking. You see, as a believer, as we go through life, let me tell you, you're going to have your days where you're going to get weak on this journey called sanctification, there are days where you feel like, Lord, I can't go another step. I don't want to tolerate that foolishness, not another moment. I don't want to hear their voice again. And the Lord has a way of taking us into his prayer closet. He ushers us into the holy of holies and he sits us down. And he prepares a table before us. And he allows us to feast. To rest. And he renews us. When we're diseased and injured. He comes. And he pours the oil. On our injuries. He heals us and he renews us. He bandages us. And I know in a crowd like this, and many people watching me by a live stream, I know there's somebody you have wandered off. You you were sitting there maybe with a drink in one hand and, and, and a cigarette or a joint in the other. Maybe something in your vein. And the voice of God spoke to you. He said, you got to get up out of here. You can't remain here. He comes and seek that which is lost. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You ever been there and God came and said, it's time for you to get up. You got to go. He comes and seek that which is lost. God is a good God. He's a good shepherd. And he's so worthy to be praised. He shepherds us through this journey called life. And he strengthens us because Jesus Christ is the good shepherd. Father God, we love you and we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for that simple preposition, per Auntie in Mark 2028, 20, Matthew 20, 28, Mark 10, 45. But we still see the same, giving a ransom, one instead of Hooper. Thank you for being our substitute, for exchanging your life for ours. Lord, we thank you. And we thank you, Lord, for being a good shepherd. Father, continue to sustain us, watch over us, guide us. Lord, for whatever you do, we'll be certain to give you the praise, the glory, and honor. We love you. We ask it all in the mighty, majestic name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Will you please stand to your feet? If you're here today, you say, you know what? I haven't placed my faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. Let me tell you something. Today will be a great day. And If you want to place your faith and trust, just step to the back. If you say, you know what? I'm a believer, but I need someone to pray with me. I'm feeling weak. you want someone to pray with you, just step to the back. Just step to the back. And if you're watching via your live stream, you say, you know what? I want to place my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So I want to unite with Impact Church. Click the link. Follow us. We want to connect with you because we know that our God is here and he desires to do something special in your life. Father, guide us, keep us and sustain us. And for that, we'll be certain to give you praise. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give unto you his peace. Thank you for coming. Have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.